How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Dead Jester Productions podcast. I'm your host, Josh or Jay Moskers. It's episode number 215. Joined this week by special guest Dave from the Echoplex Media. Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate you stopping by. We've been chatting for a little bit before the show here. Um, had some technical difficulties as well. So, what else is new? Um, but yeah, th- thank you for being here. Why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself, what you have going on? Uh, yeah, we've been uh, doing a podcast since 2015, and that sort of ballooned out into several podcasts. And uh, sometime during the pandemic, I decided, since I had some money saved up from my last business, and because we kind of lost our lease on our warehouse, I uh, was like, well, if I'm going to jump, now is the time. So I got rid of my overpriced apartment in Campbell, California, grabbed a room at a friend's house, and built out a studio in their garage. Uh, now I'm somewhere else, but uh, that's sort of the, the story as to how I uh, came to be doing this in a more serious way. Uh, we mostly cover uh, cults and high control groups and conspiracy communities and sort of the intersection there, how conspiracy communities um, operate that way. But mm-hmm. we also have shows about uh, local Bay Area news and um, a weekly news roundup, but it's more an a- analysis of how the media uh, covers the news than it is just like me reading the headlines or whatever. Yeah. And then my co-host, the media wench uh, just started streaming Monday and Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific. And she covers news out of Shasta County, California, which you would think, well, that's weird, but it's um, not weird. And the chat really loves it. So we're, we're pretty stoked on that. Not everything we do goes out as a podcast. Nice. In fact, the vast majority of what we do is live only. Um, our podcasts are, uh, the Plex, which is our news roundup, Down Ballot, which is what it sounds like. It's a local news show. The Intellectual Dollar Tree, which is probably people would guess what that is, but it's like making fun of public intellectuals and people who think <laughs> that they are uh, just too smart for everybody. And then a show we don't do live is called How the Tech Are You, which is a tech show I do with a couple of my friends who are uh, software engineers. And then uh, a show that's on hiatus is a show called Local Love, where we were interviewing local musicians but we oh. ran out of local musicians to <laughs> interview so shows on hiatus plus the numbers on that weren't so great because it was hyper local and if you weren't you know a fan of the band or whatever you there's no reason to listen to it so interesting we got a lot going on over there uh one of the things you mentioned was a, like a news a news show and how long does it take you to produce an episode of that like the prep work and everything like that one so of the... I'm doing I'm, I'm mm-hmm. doing prep on that all week, mm-hmm. right? Because it's easier, right? Because I'm, you know, I'm, as they would say, extremely online. I have to be for the other stuff I'm covering because I'm never yeah. going to find out about like little online cult groups or whatever if I don't encounter them. Mm-hmm. So as the week goes by, I'll see things on Twitter or threads or Facebook or just, you know, maybe from, you know, uh, on my uh, on my RSS reader. And so I'll just. I toss all that kind of haphazardly on a Google doc. And then the Sunday morning, you know, I get up, um, we, we use the term morning loosely here. Um, I get up and, you know, get coffee or breakfast or whatever. And, uh, start trying to, I start organizing that docket document. And then after I'm done getting that organized, I'll go into my discord and I'll check the, uh, discord channel for that particular show and go through and see what other people in my community have found. And then just slot the other slot, those things in. So it's kind of hard to gauge how much time I spend because, you know, over the course of the week, I'm just randomly copying links. But, you know, the yeah. the 
better part of the afternoon Sunday, I suppose I'm spending getting everything organized and making sure that if I talk, if I end up having to actually talk about something instead of just making fun of what the dumb newscaster said that I know what I'm talking about. So I guess the day of the show, probably four to six hours of prep. Uh, yeah. We, we had started putting together a news show. Uh, we were going to do as like a podcast or it was going to be like a, like a weekly format one. And one of the things that really held me up on actually producing it then was the amount of time it took me to research topics. Like we were, we were going to focus, do like a roundup of like the daily week of like the weekly, you know, news articles, so to speak, of like what the hot button issues were, and then focus on one in particular and make that the main story. And then that'd be the show. And it, it, we were looking at like 20 minutes, maybe for per episode, 25, 30 minutes, maybe. And just getting all the data put together would take me, I don't know, five hours or six hours or something. And that's not, it, it's not that long, but it's five or six hours additional than what I would normally be doing. So I just didn't have the time and I got really disappointed. <laughs> it's, yeah, I don't know. That combined yeah, with actually recording be, it, and making it that, sound good. That one used to be a lot harder until we got popular. Mm. And, uh, now, I mean, I could wake up sometimes because, you know, just how the week goes or whatever, because I have so much else going on. Sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, shit, there's like five links here. <laughs> and so, you know, I'll organize those links, try to figure out what's going on, see if any of them have any potential for, you know, me to talk a little bit longer. And I just yeah. jump into my discord and I'm like, oh, this is great because there's like, you know, 50 or 60 links from the people in the community <laughs> about about stuff they, you know, kind of want me to cover or whatever. Some of it's duplicates of the stuff I find and some of it's duplicates mm -hmm. of each other. Cause I always tell the people in my community, I'm like, even if you think I'm not going to use it, just throw it in there because like, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So mm -hmm. on that show, it's like a big shout out to my discord community. Anybody wants to join that, by the way, that's discord.me slash echoplex. Um, it's not like other political discord servers either. People are not in there like arguing with each other. We don't, we don't put up <laughs> with that, that bullshit. So fun yeah it, i i'm hoping that once i i'm able to make the jump to fully self-employed i'll be able to do more fun stuff like that because that it just seems like a ton of fun just being able to be more content creative as opposed to uh working <laughs> <laughs> well unfortunately but, it then just becomes working i don't i don't mean to i don't mean to no, like, I, first I, I do here. get that no, I, I do get that. But like, uh, like a lot of what I do now is more analytics driven and like, like I, I work in marketing for reference. So it's like literally just sitting there reading data from like Google analytics, Facebook, you know, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, just backend analytics from websites for businesses. And it's like, it's all right. It's cool. I like working with people, but at the same time, I'm like, man, how many, how many times can I compile data into a spreadsheet and present it to somebody? <laughs> I would much rather, like I said, it, I'd much rather be on the creative side of things of like, let's make content together. Like I get that it's work, but it, I can put more of a passion into it than entering information onto a spreadsheet. <laughs> I mean, I have to do some of that myself, right? I have to mm -hmm. like try to figure out what, I, I what's working and what's not. Yeah. It's the repetitive nature of it. I think is a thing. I'm, I'm the type of person that needs to constantly be doing somewhat new things. If I'm doing the exact same thing over and over again is when I get frustrated, I think. 
Yeah, honestly, you're, you're like if I don't want to deal with the, looking through the metrics, I can like I can fuck off the metrics for an entire month, and it doesn't really matter, right? Because that's yeah, I'm not you know taking dramatic action based on metrics. <laughs> yeah, um, I have a lot of people relying on me to manage their advertising money for them, so I can't just be like, eh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what is advertising money? I I, I just <laughs> use it as a general term of like no no. I I have, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have zero ad, ad budget. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no way I could start dumping money into advertising right now. It's, it's, I've worked with people all over the spectrum as far as like what their budget is. And you'd be surprised how similar a lot of like their, you know, the setup is for their, their marketing. I mean, it's not Google functions the same way for everybody, right? Obviously, you're going to target people in a different way, but it's the same basic idea of like how to set it up how to yeah organize your your advertising everything like that but man people every time i talk to somebody it's like having to start from scratch as though it's a new thing <laughs> it's like all right let's take it from the top this is google people will find your business on here <laughs> yeah for sure you know that that's the the, the grind part that i don't mm -hmm. necessarily like is the the marketing and as like I switched over to doing this full time and, you know, kind of had to drop like some of the, the like the people that were involved in it because the nature of the project had to change. I had to mm -hmm. get used to not only marketing the project, but marketing myself, which mm -hmm. I got, I was pretty uncomfortable with the concept at first. It's strange, man. But yeah, now I'm going on everyone's podcast to market myself. So I'm doing fine, <laughs> I guess. I think it, part of it can depend too on like the way in which you're doing it. Like going on a podcast and chatting about like yourself and like your work, I feel is more comfortable than sitting down with like a client being like, so anyway, here's my pitch. And it's like the face to face, like, this is it. This is my couple. I, mean, I get in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's basically the same thing, except here we're separated by computer monitors and it, the basis of it is talking about cults and conspiracies and things like that, which we haven't got into 10 and a half minutes into the episode, <laughs> but people can just wait. Yeah. Yeah. Hold off guys. Hold on. We're, we're talking about other stuff here. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, it's how, like when I got started in sales in advertising sales, um, it was weird because like I didn't I didn't have something tangible to sell people. And so it's like I'm walking into a business like, hey, I'd like to sell you advertising. Oh, can you like show me, you know, how this will work and help me? And it's like I can show you how it will be implemented online, but uh, I can't promise it'll even do anything for you. You know, I can promise you that people will see it. But if they click on it, will they come into your business or shop online? I don't know. I can't guarantee it. And so it was really weird to, it, it was just a really awful way to get introduced into a sales role. <laughs> so one of the, the only thing I do sort of outside of my own content is I have done uh, some consulting for other uh, uh, streamers and podcasters. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things that shocks about half of the people is that when I, when I tell them that the audience for my shows is actually not included when I'm helping them launch their show, right? Like that they're not <laughs> going to be uh, streaming to my channels, that they're yeah. not going to be 
published on my website and stuff. People don't seem to like understand that that's not like a service that I'm willing to offer. Um, yeah. I had a guy get real mad at me actually. He's like, what do you mean? I can't stream on your channel. I'm like, I don't know you. I'm like my audience shows up there cause they trust me. I'm offering you help with like technical, yeah. technical stuff and branding and getting your merch shop mm -hmm. going. I'm not just plugging in my audience to content. <laughs> I don't know very anything cool, about easy way to like alienate your audience. <laughs> right. Right. To just basically be selling them off to some random dude yeah. who wants to, who wants to talk to like, his six band members over and over and over again on your channel. Yeah. The audience <laughs> is going to be like, well, I could certainly find something else to watch. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. No, I've, I've never had that happen at all. <laughs> well, it's, you know, they, they do find me through seeing my work, right. They, mm -hmm. they check it out and they're like, Oh, your, your chat is cracking. And it's like, yeah, but they're, I'm, they're not for sale. I they never agreed to any of this. <laughs> you know, exactly. I traumatize them enough with the content. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> traumatize them by putting a brand new podcast on there by people who don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> There's a, a client I work with who it's come to my attention that I don't think he realizes that he's basically trying to be like a data broker, but doesn't know it yet. <laughs> And it's like everything he does is like, oh, I want to like set up ways to like have forms on my website so people can contact me and then we can use that. Uh, I don't know what we want to do with that data yet, but like we could utilize that maybe to contact them in the future or whatever. And everything he does is based around collecting as much data from cust potential customers as possible with no clear goal of like what to do with it. He sells, he has products to sell, but he's just obsessed with collecting data. I'm like, this guy is like, one like uh one thought away from realizing oh i should i'd rather just be collecting data and selling it to people it, it really seems to be right up his alley and that's what i think of sometimes uh like with what you said is like when i hear this from people it's like ah oh, you, you're selling your audience like that's that's what this guy wants to do is have an audience and sell it <laughs> he wants to yeah be my, my merch provider uh, offers a bunch of that stuff but luckily enough it's opt-in and i'm like i'm not trying to get like analytics of who's buying a t-shirt from me i just don't i just don't want to know you know i have a general idea of what the demographics of my my audience are and that's generally mm -hmm. who buys my stuff like from my web like from our, our shop yeah um, shout out shout out to fourth wall by the way for uh nice. making that easy for me um but like i don't i don't like the idea of doing that beyond like getting metric getting like very kind of rough and mm -hmm. almost surely inaccurate metrics on who's listening <laughs> to my shows or who's watching my streams, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, I don't know. It, it's scary. The amount of people out there I wouldn't trust that are just willfully collecting data with no regard to the safety of the people involved that they're collecting it from. And then how also how willingly people provide information yeah, it's it's, a, it's it's funny because the nature of like our content, we end up pissing people off, right? Um, <laughs> and so somebody's like, "I'm going to dox you," and I'm like, "You stupid motherfucker!" My face is on stream, you know, 35 <laughs> hours a week. It would be like very trivial to find out who I am <laughs> and like things about my background. I'm like, "You, you go, you go on, you go ahead and do that." You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> I've mentioned countless times on the podcast where I live, not my actual address, but like 
basically the town I live in and you can gather up all my information relatively easily just by listening to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, luckily enough, I've, I've moved two times in as many years, uh, mm-hmm. both times, uh, both times willingly in the place I'm at now. It's great. But I mean, if somebody wanted to find my address, they'd probably find my address in Campbell from, you know, two years ago. Cause even, even these data broker sites, they're not going to tend to be current, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody, a, a group tried, a group doxed me and tried to dox my address and they doxed my address in Berkeley from when I was in at, at, in college. I'm 47. <laughs> so I was like, well, it sucks for the person who lives in that apartment now. But, um, well, I didn't say anything. I like, you know, I acted all, I acted all, you know, astonished that they had doxed me instead of like telling them, oh, you idiot. <laughs> I was like, well, whatever you think you doxed me. I just hope whoever lives there didn't have any problems as a result of it. You know? Yeah. I, I kind of, I'll, I'll use this to transition with the rise of like modern online groups that maybe, maybe hate groups is the wrong word for in this sense, but like people that will dox and things like that. Would you say they're more or less dangerous than offline groups slash cults or is it a different style that maybe you can't compare it evenly to. I think that um, to catch somebody's attention in real life, you got to do the things you got to do are a little bit more, you know, to piss somebody off in real life, you got to actually piss them off. Right. So (laughs) I think that it's sort of apples and oranges. It doesn't take much to piss somebody off online. I'm even working on that in myself. Like, you know, I'm trying to be less (laughs) easily pissed off on the internet myself because it's like it, you know, I'm trying to offer perspective or, you know, um, basically if I'm trying to offer perspective, my perspective is going to be skewed if I'm pissed off, but hmm. you know, I think it's easier to piss people off online, but also I think that, you know, it, they're not, they can't punch you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the, the, you know, the, the consequences in the, um, the potential, the potential, um, end result of pissing someone off online is often very different. But it also depends on who you piss off and how many people they can rally around them. You know, mm-hmm. like, I'm not worried about pissing off some random YouTuber, you know, even with 100,000 followers who, you know, talks about chemtrails. But <laughs> if they had 2 million followers, maybe I, you know, maybe I should worry more about pissing them off. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You go, sort of going back, you said about like not getting angry on the internet. Like, I don't want you to sit here and explain to me like the best ways to get you angry because I feel like that's just inviting trouble. But like, I, I'm, I'll i put my personal perspective in. Like, I generally don't get upset at anything I see online. I, or to be fair, like in person, the only thing that annoys me really in general is having my time wasted because it's a, a precious commodity. Why do you think people are so quick to get upset online in particular? Is well, it just the anonymity? They're able to respond. I I think that, you know, it's going to shake out like a, a entirely different in a lot of uh, different cases. Like, hmm. you know, what do you, what are you mad about? Are you just mad that somebody disagrees with you? Well, then I don't know. You're just some, uh, you know, um, you're a, a very arrogant and uh, self-centered person who, thinks that everybody needs to agree with you. And that's a crazy Mm -hmm. town. Are, if, are you mad that 
someone is harassing you, well, I guess that's a little bit different, right? I mean, sure, you can block them, but if somebody really wants to harass you, blocking blocking them on Twitter or whatever, they're just going to find your email address or you know find yeah. you on the the book of faces or what threads or mastodon or whatever and now you're spending all your time blocking this person and I, I figure that's a pretty reasonable thing to be pissed off about so it mm. just sort of depends what it what it is or like you know if if i see someone um even if it's not aimed at me i, I get pretty mad if i see people weaponizing their their audiences uh, in I see. Yeah. in service of like harassing uh, someone or a group of people i'm like mm -hmm. what i'm like you know you you know you you first of first of all you uh, first of all they're stupid because if the platform they're on catches wind of it they're likely to get kicked off because that's against the terms of service of every platform except for like like rumble or bit shoot or something right but those places mm -hmm. are like the wild wild west <laughs> and so like uh, you know it you know it's all going to be situational and i don't think I don't think people wake up in the morning and are like, you know what I want to do? I want to get pissed off on the internet today. I think some people do that. <laughs> I guess so. But they're, I think a lot of times they're also trying to piss other people off. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it's people who are looking to be upset so they can not necessarily sit on camera, but like the concept of like, I just want to sit here and complain and have a fit in order to get other people wound up and drive clicks get views or whatever yeah i mean if like i think something's a real problem if yeah. i think something's a real problem that's going on like i will you can tell how often i think something is a real problem that's going on actually because if you look at my blog you could probably tell if i'm the one who wrote the article and those are uh, <laughs> kind of few and far between um but otherwise like yeah i'm not that mad sometimes i get mad on stream um but mm -hmm. not like it uh, my community or like you know, you see other like streamers, they're like raging that the people in their community are like having some off topic discussion or something like that. <laughs> if I get mad on stream, it's, it's usually just, it's usually just somebody that I've been observing for a while mm. and, you know, we've been kind of making fun of or whatever. And then they'll like take the next step and the thing they're doing is like dangerous or, you know, mm. to themselves, to their family, mm. to, to other people, you know, around them. Or if they're starting to, you know, you know, like harass random people, or I start to, I get, I get a little pissed off when I start noticing mm -hmm. that because I, you know, I don't run, I don't preview the content necessarily before we run it on stream unless it's something where I'm concerned that the person um, might be, uh, you know, using using slurs or whatever, and mm -hmm. and um, there's because that's just some kind of energy I don't want to put out there in the world, so mm -hmm. I do have to preview stuff. Sometimes people surprise me, and. Um, and then I get, you know, I will get a little mad, but I, I don't, I don't stay mad or whatever. It's just like in the moment, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I think that, um, I think that, I think that it's, you have to understand, I guess that the person on the other side of the screen, you don't know, does that person have any friends? Are they close with their family? Do they have hobbies and mm -hmm. outlets or is, is this person simply found community online and doesn't have any real interests? And so they're going to be. Well, I think the temperature then of their online community is going to be turned up in their own mind. Hmm. I was going to say, I, I feel like too, in a lot of instances, they use extreme language for very mundane situations. Uh, you see it a lot. I, I don't want to get into politics specifically, but you see it a lot with political talk where it's like, uh, you know, especially the way they refer to like people in politics, like uh, people talking about like 
the current presidents or whatever, you know, Trump, Biden, whatever, they'll call them like unhinged or senile or um, what is it like some of the like uh, they, you know, fascism, social, whatever they not that those are extreme. That's extremely necessary. But I think my point gets across in that they go to the most extreme possible wording anytime anything comes up. And that kind of translates to a lot of things online where people immediately crank it up to 100 um, more for clickbait than anything and to drive engagement. Which Yeah, I, I mean, in it turn, takes a lot for me to, to describe something as like fascist, right? Like mm-hmm. it takes a lot because yeah, the words there's, just other, there's, there's just other, <laughs> there's just other, other more accurate uh, terminology you can use. And yeah, like something I don't particularly agree with is, is what most people should be saying. <laughs> or, you know, if, in, mm-hmm. if, if someone is, you know, authoritarian or is engaged sure, yeah. in, um, engaged in like, um, sort of very strong and very manipulative in group out group sort of mm-hmm. uh, talk about this or that. I, I like to frame things that way. People can draw their own conclusions as far as whether or not, you know, the individual may or may not be a fascist. Now mm-hmm. my chat, it's kind of <laughs> lit up with extreme language or whatever, but I yeah. generally, I generally ignore that. Or if people are getting a little too much, I'm like, hey, could you, could you all turn the temperature down a little bit here? We are <laughs> we are trying to have a bit of fun, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, you yeah, know, think- other people, other pe- I just tell them, I'm like, you know, other people that are consuming this content are going to see the uh, chat overlay and they're going to see what you're saying in my chat. Just going so, absolutely ballistic while you're trying to have a rational conversation. <laughs> um, not necessarily that I just, no. but, and it's, it's rare. It's rare. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really generally pretty happy with the community around me and my mm-hmm. mods generally take care of that um, before I have to, so that I can just focus on what I'm doing. So that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. really good. Cause I don't, I don't want to spend, I don't want to spend time policing my chat. (laughs) Has your chat chat ever tried to gaslight you into something? We've had, it's different content. I get it. My chat would actively try and convince me that I've missed something or that like I misspoke and things like that. And we'd go back and forth on things like that. I, I feel like there's a lot of instances where my chat was actively against me, not in a hurtful way, but just in a, a fun sort of way. I don't know if you deal with that in your chat, but I mean, I mean, I'm a little crazy, so you can't really gaslight somebody <laughs> if they're crazy. Um, you can't, you don't, it doesn't take a lot of people convincing for the chat to convince me that I'm crazy. So <laughs> there, there's a lot of times where they try and convince me that the stream was like blank, that they couldn't see anything. And I'd be like, it's no, it's up on my end. I can see it. And they're like, no, it's definitely down. It's down. And when you have like 80, 100 people, like telling you that at the same time it's like i don't believe you but do i ignore everyone <laughs> so a- i that kind of stuff i don't i don't my i don't think my, my chat does that and and primarily yeah. it's because there's a few people there there's like um a, not even just a few like a non-insignificant number of the people there are, are interested enough in like the content and the, the mm-hmm. stuff that that's going on that that they have no they have, there's no there's nothing in it for them yeah. to like to do stuff like that um and if like randos come in and are like oh your audio is bad i'm like you you were wrong <laughs> <laughs> that is you are absolutely wrong my audio is not bad 
I'm like, this is, that is the one thing that is not true unless something is incredibly broken, but I would notice that on my own. No, I don't, I, they don't, I don't, they don't mutiny on me. Um, <clears throat> you know, every once in a while it gets late and I've had a few drinks or whatever. And I start talking about something and I'm just like kind of off base. And instead of like doing that, it's just like my Dave, 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 Dave in the chat. It's like, it's like, Hey dude, Hey, what are you doing? But that's a, that's more, um, that's more like, you know, and it, it happens less and less. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, during the, maybe during the pandemic, maybe I was, uh, you know, consuming a little too much alcohol on stream and, uh, <laughs> and that would happen more and more. In fact, they, uh, you know, they started, uh, in, instead of gay Dave, they started referring to me as gay Steve. If I'd get trashed, I don't know where that came <laughs> from, but now there's like somebody even made an emote if like bold letters as gay, gay Steve over like, a over like a pint glass that's clearly full of alcohol. <laughs> it's like emote in my chat now. So yeah, I, I, they don't, the, the people in my community don't mess with me too much. And if they do, it's funny. It's like inside yeah. jokes, you know? Um, the stuff we talk about is pretty serious and mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, oftentimes disturbing. But the flip side of that is that though, while I you know care about the things we're talking about and that they are important, I cannot, we can't have a community where I'm taking myself like deadly seriously and everybody's yeah. deadly serious all the time because it would just be a dreary fucking place to hang out. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, so it had, you know, the, the, the community and the, the stuff that's sort of like, I guess, uh, a ring outside of the content all has to be kind of nice. Or yeah. the, the the inner ring to be, uh, you know, watching people, mm. you know, destroy their own lives, fuck their families <laughs> up, um, you know, have negative impacts on their community, be it in real life or online and whatnot. If we're covering that kind of stuff, you know, the community has to be pretty, pretty chill and cool or it's just going to be like an awful place to hang out. Nobody's going to nobody's going to want to be there and nobody's going to take me <clears throat> like seriously in the in the sort of more uh, journalistic or uh, academic mm. space that covers our unfolding dystopia. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which sort of, so what, what actually got you into covering these sort of online groups and cults and things like that was like, were you streaming before you did this or was this like a, one of the catalysts of, of the streaming? Well, the, the, the podcast came first um, and it wasn't about any of this stuff, right? The, mm -hmm. the news podcast was first. It was just me and a friend. We're like, well, we should probably do a podcast because we are probably annoying our friends. Um, <laughs> so we can maybe get it all out on Sunday. And so uh, we started doing that. And, uh, you know, as, as time went on, I started to realize that there was going to be a ceiling Um as far as just putting out like an audio only podcast um, yeah. and that um, I had to do something mm -hmm. to like, uh, you know, keep increasing the size of the audience. And uh, it, you know, there were a couple options starting some new shows sort of helped, but that was kind of all over the place. And I made some <laughs> mistakes uh, letting friends start shows that they weren't yeah. taking very seriously or, you know, um, Oh, I've had that happen. <laughs> or they would, you know, they would not even be like the slightest bit mindful of things like copyright. And, uh, 
I'd be like, no, you can't actually run a movie trailer. I'm like, you'd think that <laughs> Can you we could just watch the entire of I Am Legend on stream. Probably <laughs> well, not. this was audio only, but still, <laughs> I was like, you know, you'd think that you could run a movie trailer because it's advertisement, but the movie <laughs> studios don't like that. They yeah. they would like to control where their uh, where their movie trailer is running. That's why they have an advertising department. You are not their advertising department. Um, so yeah, we just the <clears throat> the focus changed essentially um people talk about audience capture a lot and i'm not sure that that's necessarily the reason the focus changed but i did see once we got to twitch and kind of you know got our got our feet down and i figured out who was going to be like okay on camera <clears throat> and um who was going to you know not necessarily take it hyper seriously but you know show up on time um mm -hmm. You know, because it was before the pandemic, so you know yeah. we were doing it all uh, in person. Um, once that kind of got figured out, and we got a few people who were kind of interested in what we were doing. The, we noticed that the content, basically, after the podcast recording on Sunday, where we'd touch on things like we'd talk a lot about the chemtrails community and kind of make fun of them, you know, freaking out and fighting with each other or. You know, there was this um, incident where <clears throat> the Scientology boat, the free winds, everyone on it had measles and they couldn't find a place to dock <laughs> because, of, you know, because, you know, if you worship a space alien, it's going to solve all your problems. Why vaccinate your kids? Um, and that kind of stuff started to like we would it wouldn't necessarily be driving uh, viewers, but it would be driving engagement. And, you know, we didn't come to covering those things because of the engagement, we were already interested in those things. The conspiracy theories have always been interesting to me, not in like the, oh, I'm going to debunk your conspiracy theory. That mm -hmm. There's plenty of people out there who do that, and I don't want to suggest that they're doing bad work. They're doing great work, especially when um, you, you see what I cover, which is the sort of sociological and societal things that happen where people's families stop talking to them. They, mm -hmm. they lose their jobs. They you know, can't get along with their neighbors because they just can't shut the fuck up <laughs> about, you know, any, you know, the flat earth is like the most ridiculous one, but there's other, you know, there's other stuff. And so that, <clears throat> that became the thing that people wanted. And it was at essentially paywalled, which was annoying some people. And it didn't bother me because they'd be willing to pay for that content, you know, the content after the sh after the show that went out as a podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was a moment um, when during the post game, there were the women that were on my show were just they were just like, I'm firing all these people. And it wasn't like the Scientology stuff or the conspiracy stuff. We were covering the so-called intellectual dark web. And the women were like, I'm firing all these people. If you play another Sam Harris or Jordan Peterson or Brett Weinstein clip, I'm never coming on your show again. <laughs> it was a funny moment, like during the show, like the chat yeah. was like dying. Like everybody thought, it, you know, we had a much smaller chat there than most of those people have actually stuck around. But they they thought it was pretty funny. Uh, but then <clears throat> that was like a, a, a key moment where I realized I'm like, OK, I'm this particular thing probably needs to get spun off. And so we spun off the uh, the intellectual Dollar Tree as its own podcast, and me and uh, uh, two of my other frequent co-hosts who were interested in that stuff because we kind of came out of like 
new atheism in the skeptic community and were sort of disenchanted by some by what it turned into ended up doing that and that then became the model for our other stuff we spun off a live stream on thursday nights about cults and the satanic panic because it was just we couldn't keep you can't i couldn't we couldn't keep cramming all this stuff into this one big show on sunday because it was too disjointed and there was just too much to go over and so that's sort of how that worked and then uh one of our one of our uh people one of one of now one of my co-hosts for one of my shows was also is also very interested in like local news and so he'd put some local stories at the beginning of the podcast on sunday well all of a sudden we're 45 minutes in and we're still talking about what's going on with the mayor of san jose and i'm like we need to spin this off (laughs) and so that's just sort of how it all you know everything kind of got spent spun off of the main show Mm. um you know we don't do a lot of conspiracy stuff on sun uh sun the sunday show anymore we'll do some of it but or well, it's now just me on Sunday because I spun off all the shows and lost all my co-hosts <laughs> to the spinoffs, I suppose. But um, so we have Conspiracy Bingo on Friday that got spun off of that. So we can take like a deeper dive or, you know, some wackadoodle puts out what they think is a documentary and we can watch the whole thing on stream and kind of go over what's going on in the documentary. And so that that stuff, you know, it all just kind of spun out from that. And most of the spin out actually, most of the stuff getting spun out was not um, regular, but rather, you know, sporadic when we had time and then the pandemic hit and then I was stuck at home. And so all that stuff became regular. It, it didn't, it wasn't that we weren't interested in that or that I wasn't interested in that stuff to begin with. It's that I didn't think that's what the show was going to be about. Mm, And the Sunday show still isn't about that, but that's not, (laughs) you know, the, that is not our most sometimes it's our most popular live no, night but it, the uh, on the podcast metrics it is not the most popular podcast the intellectual dollar tree is uh sometimes hundreds of times more viewers or even thousands of times more viewers than the new show nice do you have a a favorite topic that you've covered like an online group or something like that like not necessarily like the, the I, I guess like the most entertaining from your perspective maybe Oh, the chemtrails community. The chemtrails community. Oh, absolutely. Um, because they all hate each other. <laughs> can, you, can you provide some background on why they hate each other? I've not heard that side of it. So I'm actually working on an article about another community right now, but I don't want to spill the beans on what that's about oh. too much. But I'm seeing the same dynamic play out. What happened, as far as I can tell, is that that community was, the chemtrails community was, I mean, I think most of these people believe, believe it, but I also think it was a clout chase and mm. I use it as was because it's, it's a, 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 a shadow, a shell of its former self. Um, so my take, and I'm still tr- like working through it in my head, but I think what happened was like the, the, the QAnon meta conspiracy sort of took over in 2017 and 2018. And most of these chemtrails people just wanted to keep doing chemtrails. But the mm. problem is the people that were following them, you know, giving them money on Patreon or whatever they were doing, just got scooped up by these crazy people who want to talk about the tunnel under the tunnels, tunnel children under the Getty or whatever, because that's a lot sexier than the lines in the sky, right? These are tunnel children under the Getty Museum. Um, completely wackadoodle. But um, that's more inflammatory. So this, they were all fighting over a chunk of a, shrink a pie that kept shrinking and Mm -hmm. so 
the community turned in on itself and they were, they all ended up essentially blaming each other <laughs> for the, their views going away or their, you know, their, you know, Patreon shrinking or just their popularity starting to wane. And they were, it's, you know, oh, you're gatekeeping me by not having me on your show regularly or all this, all this stuff. And it was just amazing. Uh, as this started to unfold, uh, me and my co-host, uh, known as the Media Wench, which Twitch actually has a hard time with on Auto Mod, we had to assure them that this is uh, this is with love. She used to call herself the Bar Wench when we would throw house parties because she would never let you make your own drinks. Um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful host of parties and wonderful co-host for some of my shows. But we, during all this, um, like as this was unfolding, there was a chemtrail conference, and I'm using the word conference. Um, we use this very loosely up in Portland. So um, we were like, well, these people might brawl, so we have to go. <laughs> so, so we went up there, and uh, they didn't brawl. The chemtrail conference was incredibly boring, but we met some other like people who were involved in the, um, I guess I'd call it the conspiracy critique space, although these people are, the chemtrail people would call them trolls, and I wouldn't disagree necessarily because they, they, they have been trolling the chemtrail mm -hmm. community for quite some time. <laughs> and I think the the interpersonal stuff in these communities, um, we were we saw I well not we I saw it unfolding, and I knew what was happening like at the very beginning because I had seen it happen uh, previously. Um, I'd seen it happen. Um, in the like new atheist and skeptic community where, you know, you can only, you can only debunk Jesus so many times before you, <laughs> before people don't care anymore that you've debunked yeah. Jesus. Right. Like, so if you're only, if you're only focused on a, in an individual issue and there's nothing else, well, now you're in this community where you don't even really know the people. And mm -hmm. so you might actually hate these people. It's just that you don't know it because you found out that they, uh, they don't know, want to I've, debunk it as hard as you do or vice versa. <laughs> Or you again? It's just an ever uh, a clout chase, a struggle for a piece of a constantly shrinking pie, and yeah. so the, they're just going to turn in on each other because what else are they going to do? You, nothing, nothing to report on because nothing's happening. So I guess just start reporting on each other, and uh, that's you know it's. It's a pattern. Uh, the flat earth community did the same thing, but we weren't that interested in the flat earth community. That was just absolutely ridiculous. We interviewed a few flat earthers, but we just mostly did it as a goof. We weren't, like, <laughs> we weren't, you know, it, the, the only interesting flat earth interview, uh, one of my former co-hosts, he moved up to Seattle and, you know, doesn't have time really to, or the technical knowledge to be joining, uh, live and high quality. Uh, he got the guy to say that it's the the flat earth is a result of uh, interdimensional space beings that want to uh, hide the existence of God from everybody. And that was a, that was pretty good. But, we, you know, we were like, well, that's uh, that's the winner. We're we're done with these people. So but we've watched this happen over and over and over again in communities. We watched it happen to some extent, even on what people like when uh, Twitch sort of opened up the uh, politics category, we watched a huge clout chase happen. And people, people definitely turned on each other who were otherwise, you know, you know, they're not friends. They don't know each other, but they were, you know, fairly collegiate and we're working together on stuff. And as soon as the, as soon as that politics thing, you know, the politics category opened, I don't even know. It like didn't really change the dynamic of anything. Just changing the name of your stream from just chatting to politics. Yeah. It doesn't really change anything, but man, oh man, did these people start. <laughs> 
they started, they, it turned in on each other. You started having people making like tier lists of the new politics category and, you know, um, when it affects the bottom bit. dollar sort of thing. They, yeah, yeah. And it was, once so people started getting mad it's... about that. Yeah. People started getting mad about that. And then somebody got mad at us cause we got S tiered by somebody. And the only reason we got <laughs> S tiered was they were like, this shit you're doing about the satanic panic is fascinating. And that's why I've S tiered you. You're the only one on the S tier. <laughs> the rest of I do. They're like the rest of these people. The rest of these people are just talking. The rest of these people are just talking about gun control and I could give a fuck. And I was like, great. But then somebody got mad at us. They're like, well, you got S tiered, blah, blah, blah. That you must feel really good. And I'm like, the person who did that has 500 followers on Twitter. I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, I just thought it was funny that we got S tiered among uh, above channels that have a bigger viewership than we do on Twitch. I'm like, <laughs> get a fucking hold of yourself. And so that's why when we um, end up following a community or getting interested in a community, it's almost always because of the, the the dynamics between the creators and the <laughs> the just absolutely bonkers shit these people will do to try to like maintain a hold on their viewership or even just to try to stop someone else from stealing their viewers that's like <laughs> it's it's amazing uh, because again so, like, if i can't have them you, nobody can have them sort of dynamic yeah and again like there's no i mean there's no point in me continuing to explain to people that the, the trails you see behind planes are just ice crystals, right? Like <laughs> that's not, that's not that fun, but you know, ex examining the, the, the cast of characters that are involved in this and watching, watching as they lose, I hate to even call it the plot, but watching as they <laughs> like lose their focus and turn inward has been a lot of fun for us, but it's not like, ha ha, these people are making fun of each other. It's like, we, you know, we have some insight into this and we, we, we do talk about why this happens. And it's usually cause there's no there there. And so the, the thing that they were, you know, fighting against didn't really exist in the first place in many of these cases <laughs> or did exist, but now there's nothing left to fight against. And so it's like, you know, all they really were in it for, they didn't really care about spreading information. What they wanted was the fight. And you know, in the case of conspiracy theorists, it's a lot of times like fights against the Illuminati or unfortunately the Jews. Right. And, mm. and now, well, now there's nobody to listen to you. So I guess now your fight is against uh, the guy who runs the website called weather modification history for whatever reason, I guess you hate him. I don't like him. He's an idiot, but I don't, if, you know, if I go after him, it's because of the ridiculous things he's saying about the harp array and, um, Alaska, not that he stole my viewers. <laughs> what are your thoughts of like when some of these more fringe groups become more mainstream? You mentioned like I mean, this is this is not the same as like the chemtrails people, but like going after Jewish people, for example. In the last however, I mean, however long since the conflict going on over there has been going on, like it's definitely picked up in the recent months, the last couple of years or so as well. Like more of these fringe groups are now joining in, so to speak, on the popular discourse. Have you so noticed I don't that with some of these other fringe groups? Maybe, or maybe I'm off basis here. I don't think anti-Semitism is on the rise. I think the definition mm -hmm. of anti-Semitism has unfortunately expanded to include sure. uh, criticism of a nation state. Um, in the in, I don't mean that that definition is literally expanded, but I mean in the discourse, it seems to have expanded to. I think the criticism of a, of a nation state. I just meant like, I think it's come more into the public eye, like a focus oh, just yeah. because of current events is what I was trying to say. I think I explained it poorly. 
Yeah, but, like, but also I, like I, also like QAnon was really big in like 2020. That, and that's what it, I was going to mention. Yeah, yeah. At the at, at the bottom of that rabbit hole is like the protocols of the elders of Zion, or <laughs> you know, it's the it, who who do you suppose they think are trafficking the children in the tunnels? It's Hollywood or the bankers, and those are always proxies for the Jews. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It, Q is the last, uh, uh, the last like major one that was brought to my attention, partially because I'm not as invested in politics as some people, or just online conspiracies and things like that. I just don't have time for it. <laughs> but like, Q, like the fact that it was a thing coming across in like my news feed, I was like, oh, this must be something that there's at least a a sizable audience for. I don't know if that was the is, is that even still going on. Like the, the QAnon push, I feel like it's fallen out of vogue, so to speak. Well, it the, these things they have a certain uh, life cycle. Like Before it's they... not, you know, you have less people posting this where we go one, we go all crap, and having it be particularly and specifically about QAnon. Uh, but the residue is basically permeating the discourse. Um, it's just fractured into separate groups, maybe now, or just the the parts of it that people can use in a way that they think seem palatable mm. has, you know, has entered a lot of spaces that the crazier stuff never would have been able to enter. I see. So for example, um, you know, the moral panic around uh, child trafficking and uh, satanic ritual abuse, which, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've seen this before. I mean, I've seen this before. Yeah. I've, I'm, you know, child of the 80s this was all happening in the 1980s around uh, heavy yes, metal dungeons music. and dragons is a satanic ritual yeah yeah that's <laughs> and you know pizzagate and QAnon mm. were basically pulled out of the residue from that mm. um i mean not not always one-to-one directly and i think that it's you know these things are always a little more complicated than that but so it stands to reason that the residue of QAnon and Pizzagate are going <clears> to <throat> just kind of fucking stick to everything for a while. And so now we have, you know, everybody, you know, I think the, I don't think that the, for example, that the uh, moral panic around uh, the, the idea that you know, people who, you know, queer people or people who are uh, friends with queer people or teachers who want to, you know, teach sex ed and include information about like queer people. I don't think the idea that those people were grooming your kids would have caught on in such a, um, a mm. real and oftentimes terrifying way if Pizzagate and QAnon hadn't uh, captured the attention of so many conspiracy theorists. I see. Yeah. It, that does seem to be the go-to, I don't know if insult's the right word, but it's definitely the go-to accusation of the, the, the day, it seems at times, is groomer or pedo of sorts. Like, if you... I mentioned earlier, like the extreme language people use, like that's, I guess, a decent example of is like referring to people as pedophiles or groomers, especially politicians, uh, seems to be a common thread currently. And and it really sucks in a way because there are, like in the content creation space, there are people who have young audiences who are, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, you know, behaving inappropriately. <clears throat> um, talking 
you know, having private conversations with like young members of their audiences in ways that are, you know, troubling. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the problem is now that this thing is a moral panic, when something, <clears throat> something like that happens, that person can just brush it off as part of this uh, larger moral panic and maybe, maybe mm -hmm. kind of, maybe kind of get away with some inappropriate behavior, you know? It kind of diminishes the, the weight of the accusation. Or, you know, I'm not sure that necessarily that all the time that it rises to the level of, you know, uh, abuse or abuse mm -hmm. of minors or whatever. But yeah, it's sort of, you know, if you're, you know, if, if you're having too many, you know, flirty conversations with people who are significantly younger than you mm -hmm. and you're their favorite content creator, um, you're, that's a problem. Um, there's mm -hmm. an asymmetry of power there and, um, you know, you might be able to, um, you know, persuade people to, for example, send you nude photos they may not otherwise have sent you. And with, with this, like the ooze of like QAnon in the background sort of leading to this, everybody's calling everybody a groomer, or, you know, people think yeah, yeah. that child trafficking is happening at the fucking daycare center and whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, now if somebody at the daycare center is actually hurting someone, you know, people are going to be like, oh, everybody says that about everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what is, uh, what is that movie? The Incredibles, I think. There's a line in that movie. Is it? I forget when that movie came out, but I think there's a line where it's like, if everybody's a superhero, then nobody is. I think is, uh, is what he says. Something along those lines. Yeah, this would be the inverse of that, right? Yeah. And it's... um. You know, it's not surprising that, you know, for example, the satanic panic in the 80s, it uh, targeted, you know, uh, basically goth kids and like nerdy kids who wanted to, um, you know, play Dungeons and Dragons because they were nerds and fucking totally fine with me, whatever. And mm -hmm. it, it just seems like these things, they always they always end up targeting the, the you know, the people who are, um, you know, vulnerable, like nerdy kids in the 80s were vulnerable. They were getting picked on, stuffed in lockers. I mean, I know that, you know getting stuffed in a locker was probably pretty rare or getting a swirly was pretty rare, but you know, it always ends up, it always ends up going after, you know, people without power, even though the people engaged in the rhetoric would tell you that they're going after the powerful. That's not how it plays out. You know, hmm. we're lockers. This is a weird question. Were lockers bigger before I went to school. I, I could not fit. I'm a, I'm a thin guy. I was thin, super thin when I was in high school. I actively, there was a point where we actively tried to get into a locker and it just couldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't know everything. What do they call it? Shrinkflation. Maybe there's shrinkflation mm -hmm. of lockers and maybe in the, you know, the seventies or the eighties, your locker was bigger and you could like hang your coat in it I, or something. But I remember that being like, like a, you know, like, Oh, people get stuff in lot like a trope in like movies and things like that even. And like growing up and I was like, I can't even purposefully fit into a locker if I wanted to. Like <laughs> we had, we even had bigger lock, like the ones we had in our gym in the, uh, in the locker room were like big square ones. Couldn't fit in those either. Like we, <laughs> at, at no point in my, in, in my high school career, shall we call it, was I ever concerned about being shoved into a locker because I knew it wasn't possible. <laughs> the story so thing never happened, but. I, I can see how that, I mean, it's at least possible. Well, I think it, you know, you, you, you use the word trope. I think it's a trope. I think it's like, yeah. you know, 
for example, like something somebody in my chat might say that I wouldn't say, like if we run a clip of Ben Shapiro, they're like, oh, that's just, you know, nobody ever stuffed him in a locker and that's why he's the way it is or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't stuff Ben Shapiro in a locker. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, you know, it's a, it's a trope. It's a basically a way of saying that somebody's like a a nerd or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, but again, you know, it's not surprising, like, for example, that the groomer panic is uh, playing out in the way it is where, you know, teachers who are themselves queer or are, you know, teaching about uh, queer, you know, subjects about queer people are the ones who are targeted with this. It, you know, comes as no surprise. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, it's, I don't know, it's just I, something that I, I always thought of when we were in school. I was like, this is just not feasible uh going back to the the actual topics at hand do you see is there a particular online group or something adjacent that you can see possibly becoming more mainstream not necessarily like wildly popular but coming more to the forefront than they are now you know it's always surprising what comes forward because when i first heard about QAnon, i was like what the fuck yeah (laughs) i had no idea you know, I had no idea what was coming. And I think that's actually one of the things Q said or whatever. Nobody knows what's coming or some <laughs> ominous shit like that. I forget the exact wording. No, you know, that's the thing about this stuff is you just never know. You know, like, mm. you know, I'd heard about, you know, I think Flat Earth was really big in like 2012 through 2014, maybe mm. 2015. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I'd seen it starting to bubble up online a little bit before that. And I was like, there's no fucking way, you know, I didn't even think about like whether or not it was going to get big. I'm like, what, is, what do you, what do you do? What, what, why are you posting about this? And then all do you of think a sudden, the ridiculousness get... helps drive attention to it probably and gets more, uh, engagement. Yeah. I don't know the mechanism. Like if I knew the mechanism by which these things happen, I might be able to be more effective in uh, mm. helping put the brakes on some of this stuff. Um, but it just seems like, it just seems like, Things, you know, where did the satanic panic come from? Sure, like all people were always afraid of the devil and shit, but like, Mm. you know, when the devil was depicted in cartoons from, you know, if you saw the devil depicted in like to the, and I'm not sure if they, it was even depicted in Looney Tunes or whatever, but it would be like a silly guy in a red suit, right? It wasn't this ominous, terrifying thing that was coming to fucking traffic your children via a tunnel under a, under a daycare center or whatever. It was like a silly-ish depiction. So I don't know. I don't know how our, you know, cultural uh, idea about the devil or about Satanism, for example, became what it became in the late 70s through the early 90s. These things kind of have a life of their own. And it's the the once the trajectory has started, I guess it's kind of easy to see where it's going if you're looking for it. But Mm -hmm. the problem is it's the knowing to look for it at the beginning with any particular movement. And it's, it's, you know, how would you, how would you determine it? Cause there's just all kind of crazy. Like, how do you know what crazy is about to catch on? Yeah. It just, it, like you mentioned, it's, it's very unexpected at times where it's like, where, where did they even come up with this? Why is this something people watched on to? It seems like, like you said, it just kind of comes out of nowhere that, it doesn't make sense why that's what people latched on to, but they do. Um, side note, I looked up, this is a bad example. I looked up Looney Tunes devil, uh, which is a terrible idea because all I get is the Tasmanian devil. 
Oh, I love the Tasmanian devil. Yeah. But uh, I did see one. It looks like their version of the devil is just a hairy red goblin looking guy. I don't know how else to explain it. Very standard devil. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Like, like a cartoon it's, devil. It's, and I think. That's all Tasmanian devil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could go, I guess, minus Tasmanian, but then like, yeah. then, then, then you start, fun- you start looking up devil or Satan and stuff. And then you start finding some shit that you wish you didn't see probably. So, yeah. but yeah, no, it, it's, it's weird. It's really weird. I mean, every, I feel like too, part of it is they'll latch on to current trends or like news and use that and bring it back to their uh, group. Like they had, what was it like a month ago or so? Maybe I forget where they had the, like the tunnels in New York that were, was in the news and how quickly they latched on all these weird conspiracies about it and what was going on. And uh, it kind of drowns out the, actual discourse surrounding it at times where it's like if i'm trying to figure out like what the truth of a situation is you have to wade through a lot of nonsense to try and you know figure out what actually is happening and in in that case you shouldn't be building tunnels yeah under a city it's dangerous <laughs> it's <also> true <laughs> like you can't like you can but like you know to like there's like a whole permitting process if you want to build yeah. anything subterranean <laughs> Like you, this is the practical response to it, and I can appreciate this. Well, yeah, don't 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 dig yeah. tunnels under your building because you you're gonna die. This like, is this is not the response anyone had, at least in my like when I was looking up trying to find an answer for what was going on. It was all they were like sacrifices. They were having like yeah. orgies or whatever. I'm just like, okay, but so, what's going on here? So I can give you a bit of a history of, of this, the tunnels starting from the mm-hmm. 80s. There was a case called the McMartin Preschool where through maybe something happened there or whatever where one, you know, some uh, kid was abused. I don't know. But it became a moral panic where now the whole enterprise of this preschool was there specifically to abuse children and people were uh, – you know, arrested and put in jail, uh, you know, during their trial. And every last one of them was acquitted or the charges was dropped. Um, But one of the claims was that there were tunnels Mm -hmm. under the McMartin preschool that I don't, they were trans, I don't know where the fuck they were taking the kids, right? Maybe the Scientology (laughs) center, who knows? I guess people weren't, people weren't afraid of Scientology at the time, or people weren't aware of what the, the cult of Scientology was doing. They were just fucking, People were like, oh, those are weirdos who worship a space alien, which is true, but that's not the extent of what's going on over there. Mm. Um, So then, you know, when uh, Pizzagate came up, if you notice again, one of the claims that there was something, there was some subterranean uh, structure Mm. under a pizza joint Mm. where, you know, I don't know, Hillary Clinton was eating babies' faces or whatever. I forget that, you know, (laughs) you... The, the, the number the of the usual. number of claims yeah. but then that guy went in there looking for the basement mm-hmm. and like you know with a, with a firearm thankfully he fucking didn't shoot anybody and but then that was the claim and then the QAnon people they had this whole thing about the tunnel children and mm-hmm. one of the claims is that there's tunnels under the Getty Museum where there's like an entire civilization and one of the things they do down there is abuse children and then now you know these fucking weirdos are building tunnels that are not uh, up to code which again is dangerous and stupid but of course it's gotta be to fucking 
her children. I guess like the only thing there is to do uh, subterranean is to uh, have <laughs> child sacrifice. I don't know. I mean, I've I've been to raves in basements. I thought maybe you know that was what basements were for. But here all this time, nope. That rave in the basement was just to throw the cops off the scent because that was actually uh, they were doing a sacrifice Monday through uh, Thursday there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it there's you never really hear about tunnels in a way that's not sinister. <laughs> It's like, yeah, there was just some tunnels underneath their house and they were just using it to uh, help the neighbors. I mean, it's always something evil. I mean, mass transit systems. You hear about tunnels in a pod. Oh, fair. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But that's the only example I could think of. (laughs) You never hear of non-public tunnels being used in a non-sinister way. Maybe that's a better way of... (laughs) Yeah, and I think... Secret tunnels, it's for something bad. And... um. You know, one of one of the things that I've been kind of kicking around in my mind about the the idea of like subterranean stuff and a lot of it being in California is we don't have basements, right? Like here in California, mm-hmm. uh, there are basements, but houses tend not to have them. Um, mostly earthquake, right? You know, you can see where mm-hmm. you can see where maybe you don't build a basement if the the earth might start shaking violently. Um, you know, the whole then instead of just your roof falling on you, well, the whole first floor actually falls on you and whatever structure. Yeah was supporting the basement. So I think that might, it, it's not the whole reason, but it certainly seems that, you know, outside of the, this, the tunnels in New York city or whatever, that most of the time when people were talking about the tunnels, mm-hmm. that it was in California, because if you remember the, um, the comet ping pong was about a basement and not the tunnels. And I think that, I think there's something there with like, they're not, people not spending time uh, in a subterranean environment in California is why Hmm. a lot of this stuff maybe um, came out of California. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I think with the New York ones, it wasn't even a tunnel system. It was just like a small room they dug under the place. Yeah. Yeah. Again, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I still don't do it. But I get is how quickly the misinformation spread. Cause everyone assumes it's like, yeah. What was the other one? It was like a, there, there was like a story about how it was a tunnel leading from the synagogue to like a stand or something outside on like the next block over or something. I forget what it was, but it's like they were wa- like the this theory was that they were walking to this like new stand or whatever. And then the tunnel entrance was behind it and then they were entering there and sneaking in. And then it's like the reality is nowhere near as extravagant. It's just a small little like eight foot long room. Yeah, as soon as I saw that story, I'm like, no, I'm not even going to fuck with this. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even care what people are saying about this. Because I, I, you know, I read a, a news story about it and I was like, oh, this is, um, they're just building a room or, um, you know, something un, uh, subterranean that they shouldn't mm-hmm. be building because they might die down there. Uh, you know, like, I need- and if you think about it, if you think about it during the Cold War, like a lot of people had bunkers and were being mm-hmm. were preparing for the nuclear holocaust or whatever. You mean tunnel systems to do? I'm sorry, tunnel, you're right. They were, they were tunnel, <laughs> they were tunnel systems. They were they would take you the tunnel to freedom. This is my four foot by four foot tunnel system. <laughs> yeah. It's filled with food and supplies. But there is like something you know. You think about it, like there is something maybe in with within our psychology or whatever that you know being under the surface of the earth we might be it's going to be hidden right and mm-hmm. so it's something hidden and so people are going to map a bunch of stuff onto that yeah it's 
I don't know. It's interesting where people's minds go whenever specific things get brought up. Um, I mean, there's also a financial incentive here, right? For content creators. or For sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, some of it's a grift, right? Like it, it can't not, mm-hmm. it, it's impossible for none of it to be a grift. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like people wouldn't go on the internet and lie for money. That just, it seems like that'd be wrong. <laughs> I go on the internet and try to tell people I'm interesting and I make money on it. So I think I just disagree with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's just uh, that's an opinion. Uh, I'm just going to leave it out there. <laughs> But uh, one of the things I wanted to, to touch on before we wrap is, uh, is there like a specific, uh, how do I, how do I remember this? Obviously there's a lot of like conspiracies that kind of get wedged into current day topics, the tunnel, New York tunnel system, I'm doing air quotes, for example, how would you suggest people combat this sort of misinformation and borderline conspiracy, conspiracy theories as they're trolling the internet for actual information? So if you're trying to look for accurate information, the unfortunate thing that nobody's going to want to hear is you should probably go to Twitter, seek it out from uh, (laughs) legacy news sources. Um, It's, you know, people don't want to hear this, but like, you know, you may not like the New York Times or even the Wall Street Journal or whatever, but they they have a long history of being pretty accurate when they're doing like fact based reporting. Mm. And that oftentimes means you have to wait. Right. When something breaks and if you really want to know what's going on, um, wait. I mean, true. There, everyone tries to figure out the truth of the matter immediately. You see it a lot of times during, uh, unfortunately, because it happens so often, shootings where, especially on social media, it's like, this is who the shooter was. This is how they identified and race and gender and sexual orientation, all that. When in reality, it's like, this is a person that hurt people. No, that's really relevant. But- so there's a, there, that's, um, it's not really necessarily the funniest story in the world, but after uh, Parkland, uh, Infowars had shared a picture of a guy that they were claiming was the shooter. Mm-hmm. And um, coincidentally, there was this woman named Julie Borowski that we had been kind of making fun of, but she was like good natured about, natured about it. There was this guy, Chess Strongwell, that was kind of making fun of her. Obviously, that's not his name. But then she started being like, oh, my boyfriend Chess just has some weird ideas about, you know, she was kind of a good sport about it. And we all ended up being kind of friendly online, actually. Um, And the reason we all ended up being friendly online is when this guy's picture was spread around this Julie lady. And I didn't even, I, you know, we'd been making fun of her on Facebook for like, she was like a a weird libertarian that we thought was comical to make fun of. But Mm -hmm. she, she was like, hey, that's not the shooter. He doesn't live in Florida. He's my neighbor. <laughs> She's like, I know him and you're putting his life in danger. You need to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And then I hit her up and I was like, Hey, um, uh, thank you for doing that. I know we've been making fun of you on Facebook. She's like, Oh, you're one of those goat trolls. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you guys are pretty funny. Actually. She's like, I never took any of it too seriously. And I was like, well, Hey, you know, you know, um, this, this is the, you know, a few years ago, we kind of stopped making fun of you, but I'm like, you really did the right thing here. And I'm, I'm glad you did. She's like, well, that's my neighbor. And I know him. She's like, so I would do nothing else. She's like, you would do the same thing. And, um, so that guy, uh, that guy, uh, ended up, uh, suing Infowars. 
And then un- unfortunately, like unrelated to all this, he uh, passed away in a, an accident mm-hmm. at uh, work, but it's, that's why the story isn't funny. Um, but you know, it's just, it's interesting the way these things play out. And um, you know, that lady Julie that we've been making fun of actually just put the brakes on this stuff. Like, whereas this guy probably would have been relentlessly harassed. Yeah. It's interesting to see how people react to situations like that. Cause I think something similar happened with the Boston marathon bombing where people knew the the people involved, the two brothers and they're like, Oh, it wouldn't be them. Like, I think they went to the same synagogue or whatever. And it's like, no, you know, they, they recognized them from the video. Like, wow, clearly it's not them because we know them and they just didn't do anything. I mean, not, not sitting here blaming them or anything, but it's like, I can understand. It's like, Oh, I know that person. Of course it's not them. It's just someone that looks like them. And it's, well, you've that. And then you also have Reddit and similar online communities. Like we found them and it's just some poor random person who happened to be standing nearby or whatever. Like this person sat down here or this person, you know, walked into the place this time and uh, can quickly spiral out of control as online sleuths. Uh, think they've figured everything out and then they quickly hunt down and dox poor innocent random people who just happen to be in the vicinity yeah and that's why like if there's a like if there's some event that happens like on a day that i stream i just i might mention it in passing and just be like you know i don't have any we don't have any reliable information on this Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to hold off on this and I would suggest that you do too. And, yeah. you know, at first people were like, well, oh, this might have to do with this conspiracy stuff. And you know a lot about it. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know anything about the event. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is just unfolding. And so, you know, it would, you know, now I'm the conspiracy theorist. If I start shooting my mouth off about what I think happened here. Especially in scenarios like that. Like if it's one lone individual, you can kind of piece together what's happened to an extent fairly quickly, but like for a situation like the Boston marathon, it's like, it's such a complex scenario. There's so many people involved. The idea that like, Oh, we figured it all out within like minutes, hours, whatever is insane. And it's responsible. Even if you end up up being right. Some of the time you're going to be wrong some of the time. And you know, not only, you know, okay, you're giving out the information of somebody who didn't do it. That's pretty bad, especially if you have a big audience, but then you're like, Okay, you're like meddling in the lives in some ways of like the families and the loved ones and people involved who maybe weren't, you know, harmed or whatever. But you're now, mm-hmm. you know, sort of uh, digitally and um, virtually meddling in their life in a way. And it's like, I don't know, it, it, it you know, when, when an event unfolds and I, I should probably actually maybe I should after this article I'm working on now, I should start I should put this down like you should like people need to ask themselves a few questions. The first question is what if I wait? Mm -hmm. What happens if I wait? What happens if I wait to decide what happened? And then like, who is telling me or where am I getting information about what happened? And what, if anything, did they say the last time something similar or tangentially related happened and were they right? You know, what is my bias toward here? And am I just indulging my own biases when I'm trying to decide what happened? Um, and what are the consequences 
to my own reputation, maybe if I'm a content creator or to society more broadly, if I'm sharing a false or incomplete narrative, you know, like these are, these are questions that some of them are apply to content creators, but some of them just reply to some random person, you know, has a few thousand followers and might retweet something, you know, and you're, then you find out it's wrong. You're like, well, I don't know. I just retweeted somebody else. And it's like, well, so did a bunch of other people, you asshole. Yeah. I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they initially accuse the the police or FBI or whoever, didn't they initially accuse the wrong person for the Boston Marathon bombing? I thought they like had an actual suspect that they, the news, local news or whatever got a hold of and they were like, the guy was on TV and they're like, oh, this is the guy. And then it obviously turned out not to be him. I could be thinking of a different case, but I thought it was that one. I, I think so too. I think they held someone. But and and it's odd in this case, but it's maybe not so odd. I think that this person and I I'm just going off a of memory here, so I'm not sure if this is uh, going to be 100 percent accurate. I think this person was detained by the FBI and actually the FBI figured out pretty quickly that they had the wrong person. There's a, you know, you know, fuck the police and all that. But there's a reason that the uh, the FBI and the federal government, and the DOJ have such a high conviction rate. It's because they get the person. And if it's, if you're not the person, they're probably going to figure it out. Like, uh, going back to the satanic panic, I'll, I'll sometime in about the mid eighties, the FBI was actually going around and telling these local police departments to stop it, that you're not going to solve these crimes by assuming that these, um, that, you know, the weird kids at the school are in a satanic cult and are, you know, did this as a, a ritual this is probably just crime, which is a little bit mm-hmm. odd because the uh, FBI has a long history of uh, oppressing the outcasts in our society, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there was so, a there okay. was a guy that uh, I think committed suicide as well that they misidentified as like being one of the Boston Marathon bombers, uh, Sunil Tripathi. I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of that. Um, yeah. He committed suicide and then they like read it was like, oh, this is the guy here. But he had already passed away before the Boston Marathon bombing even occurred. And not for nothing, all, <clears throat> a lot of the same people like the media figures, you know, and the obvious one that everybody's going to know is uh, Infowars, Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. The, the ones who are immediately sure they know who did it, like you know, fucking without fail, 48 hours later or saying that it was the event didn't happen or that it was a false flag or that it was staged. And it's like, but weren't you saying yesterday that you knew who did it? And it was probably because, you know, you know, you find the, find the nearest Muslim or whatever, if it's a bomb, I suppose. And it's like, well, which, which is it now? Like, did you, did you super sleuth the bomber or was this all like staged by the FBI to, I don't know, take a, take my grenade out of my cold dead hands or whatever. It's like, it almost doesn't matter to some extent if the, um, mis the misinformation that comes out around it is contradictory because people are so invested in, <clears throat> remember when you were a kid, you're like, I know something you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it, you feel like, you feel like, you feel like you're smart or like you've cracked the code or whatever. Cause yeah, kids will do that all the time. I know something you don't know. And I'm that's, not gonna tell I feel you. like that's how a lot of people get into these fringe conspiracies. Is like, oh, we're in the know now. Yeah, and it's like, well, nobody knows shit. Actually, <laughs> like people, like people may may know things, but you know, we all know. 
you know, you're, you're like you had said, you're, uh, you're, you know, pretty good at uh, online marketing and whatever. You may be an expert in that, but I'm not an um, expert, but I do do it for a living. <laughs> well, you're a professional then. Sure. Um, and like the things I like, I think I have a pretty firm grasp on um, uh, high, high demand, high control groups and um, how online communities form around nefarious or false ideas and maybe on top of that i'm you know i haven't done it in a while but i'm a, a, a fairly competent linux systems administrator right like mm -hmm. but that's it like i'm a shitty video editor oh i'm a pretty good dj too i can rock the discotheque i still play raves occasionally though i feel a little <laughs> old there um but but i'm not like somebody comes somebody's like oh you know you cover the news tell me about this thing i'm like go find somebody who knows about this thing like, I don't yeah. know. There's a lot of, uh, especially with the rise of like social media surrounding politics and like during the COVID uh, pandemic, there's a lot of people who worked very like plumbers that suddenly became medical experts because of reading Facebook comments and things of that nature. All of a sudden, all these people who work at McDonald's are suddenly uh, foreign diplomat, <laughs> you know, uh, experts. It's like, oh, you're you studied foreign affairs? Like, no, no, but I read a Facebook comment, so I'm pretty in the know now. Yeah, like it's that sort it's, of thing. It's pretty crazy, actually, because the stuff we cover is pretty fringe. But I end up, you know, I end up essentially shilling for like the expert consensus on things because I don't <laughs> know. So what you know, I'm like, well, you know, what 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 do virologists and infectious disease specialists and public health administrators say about this? Yeah. Um, you know, they're not going to get everything right every time, and they have decisions to make. Maybe where I would maybe err on the side of caution or alarmism, where they would err the other way. But, but you know, mm -hmm. it's like, and you had mentioned a plumber. It's like, it's it's a that's a thing I actually bring up. You know, every yeah. once in a while, I'll get somebody who joins my not Discord to shit on voice. plumbers in particular. It's just the first you know, job I could think of that wasn't a, an expert in virology. <laughs> well, but what I'm saying is like, you know, yeah. I, I, sometimes I'll get somebody like join my discord voice. They'll be like a conspiracy theorist. It happened more during COVID. They'll just start popping off at the mouth and they'll be like, Oh, the experts are all wrong. The experts are all wrong. And I'm like, you know what, if your toilet started going the other way and shit was all over your um, bathroom floor uh, because your toilet was going the other way, would you, uh, would you call a plumber or would you do your own research? Yeah. And they're like, well, I'd call a plumber. And I'm like, well, how is this any different? The only mm. difference is that that one smells really bad. And then it might get into your carpet. If you have carpet, now your carpet smells like feces. And so it's a bit more of an emergency that's happening right now to you. And you mm. need to get this fixed. Whereas, you know, a, a disease is sort of, you can't see it. Yeah. And, and so, and it's not, you don't currently have it and, or if you do, maybe you're asymptomatic or whatever. And so it's like, it's like, why would you trust the plumber, but not the, the infectious disease specialist? And the answer is usually like, well, the plumbers aren't paid off. And I'm like, maybe the plumber's in a union. You don't know if the union is you know, <laughs> stepping on them to use a certain kind of pipe or whatever, yeah. to fix your toilet when there's a better pipe out there. You don't know any of that. But what you want is the fucking toilet to start flowing the right way so that shit doesn't stops coming onto the floor of your bathroom. <laughs> and it's just really weird how when it's like medical stuff, a yeah. lot of times people will 
for whatever reason, you know, not mm. call, not call the plumber essentially, you know, the last thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap is, is in the same sense of things of like how people allow these sort of conspiracies to overrule things that they already should know. And the example I'll give is like, I, I had family members during COVID who worked it. They were nurses. Like I had my one aunt was a nurse and she didn't believe in any of the science behind COVID. And then she started denying other vaccines. And to me, that didn't make sense on like a basic level of like, well, you studied all this in school. So like you believed in it then, how does it, how do you not believe in it now? How, like, I, I don't understand like the, the backtracking and the overwriting of like things you've already come to understand and it makes sense. And then also like, well, how do you do your job? Like you don't, if you don't trust the science behind like what you're doing, how are you going to work and doing it? Like you'd think you wouldn't, like it doesn't add up to me. So I have to imagine there's a good bit of compartmentalization going on there. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, you know, in an example like that, we don't, you know, I don't know if there were other, other, you know, situations where this person was going to, or has previously like sort of abandoned the idea of expert consensus in favor of a conspiracy theory. You know, maybe that person previously didn't seem like it to me. Just for well, maybe input. maybe that person but previously yeah. maybe that person previously believed in chemtrails but never brought it up around you because mm -hmm. it wasn't there wasn't like it didn't seem urgent to them or whatever yeah. um, maybe they believe maybe they previously believed the moon landing was a hoax and didn't bring mm -hmm. it up because it didn't seem urgent because like if the moon landing is a hoax we're not all going to die right it was yeah it's, it's fairly low stakes maybe they believe in Bigfoot hell I wish I want to believe in Bigfoot that'd be pretty cool. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't know necessarily unless we have conversations about, you know, conspiracism and issues that people believe in those things around, you know, we don't know. And it yeah. could just be, you know, and it's it's maybe a little trite or whatever. It could just be that COVID melted some people's fucking brains. <laughs> like I said, it, it seems like a lot of those just sprouted up based on political ideology to a certain extent. Because, like I said, this, these people were, uh, I don't know how you want to explain it, but, like, perfectly fine with vaccines beforehand. You know, it's like, oh, you know, these kids not getting, you know, their you know, flu shots or whatever, just anything you can think of, like, general basic, what we would consider the normal vaccines that kids used to get before going to school. Totally on board with that. They would complain when they these kids didn't have it. COVID comes around and all of a sudden, you know, vaccines cause autism all the old you know you know sticking points for people that are against the covid vaccine and then other vaccines i suppose and so the example of just, a nurse is probably a little weird because they were working maybe more yeah. than other people but i think that for a lot of people they were stuck at home mm -hmm. and um you know it's a little bit easier to go down a rabbit hole if you're by yourself right. you know if you don't like i lived alone um, at the mm -hmm. time when, uh, that hit, um, uh, my last roommate had just moved out and, um, you know, I mean, I was, I, you know, we do things like meet at the park and you know, smoke a joint or whatever, but we weren't hanging out inside and we were doing that kind of rarely. Right. Because that's kind of a, kind of a pain in the ass and it's technically illegal to smoke a joint in the park, even though well, weed is legal, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, 
Though I think I think maybe the police would exercise discretion and just leave us alone in that case, especially when I lived in a you know upper upper middle place uh, upper upper middle class place like Campbell. Mm-hmm. I appreciate people. side note. I appreciate when police use common sense judgment in a lot of instances. Instead of shooting your dog, it's, it's literally exactly what I'm referring to. Because we have I I go across town. And there's a town park. No pets allowed. Which I get, you don't want dogs like pooping in the park where kids are playing, whatever. But like the cops will drive by. Usually when I'm out there, like I go out late at night and I'm walking the dog and I only take them down there when it's late, like 11, 12 o'clock at night. And, you know, they can see me walking him. No one's around. They can see that I have like bags to clean up after him or whatever. They're not harassing me about it because they can just look at me and be like, okay, clearly he's being responsible enough about it. And I appreciate that they do that instead of being sticklers for the rules. So you ever wonder if you were someone else, maybe that might play out differently. I can see that being the case, especially based on where I live and the, uh, some of the, uh, the dialogue of, of the locals, if you want to word it very yeah, yeah. politely. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to get in too much into policing. We yeah. talk about, we talk about that some on the, on the show, but basically like, that, that's a big problem. And there's, you know, it, strangely enough, you know, it's you, you would have thought it would have gone, speaking of conspiracy theories, you would have thought it would have gone the other way. Cops generally being like authoritarian, you'd have thought that they yeah. would have just um, like wanted, fallen in line and been, um, you know, kind of shitty to people that refused to wear masks. But it, it turned out that like, uh, you know, um, law enforcement was uh, more likely to refuse vax or to try to refuse vaccination and try to refuse masking than uh than than other professions and that you know it's kind of counterintuitive in a way um because you're like well you're but your your job is ostensibly to like enforce the rules and here you mm-hmm. are saying fuck the rules so right. it's you know you you the uh, the one thing that i think might be good about the rise of conspiracism during COVID is that it disabused people of the notion that they know what a conspiracy theorist looks like or know what mm-hmm. kind of job they might have or, Makes sense. You, you know, Oh, you, you know, before you'd think of a conspiracy theorist, right. And you'd think of like, I don't know if you've seen the X files, but you think of like the lone gunman from the X files mm-hmm. or whatever you would think of, you know, it was usually a man. He was usually, you know, maybe mid thirties or whatever. He'd, you know, long hair sort of looks like a hippie, you yeah. know, and it just disabused everybody of that. Cause now like now, you know, now you find out that the, you know, the upper middle class uh, lady down the street, who's like a stockbroker and goes to the yoga studio, she believes in QAnon and it's like, what the fuck? You're not supposed to believe in QAnon. You know? yeah. it's like, so I think, that that like opened up a lot of people's eyes to the the fact that we can't really just sort of spot uh, someone who might believe these things. And I think that mm-hmm. as unfortunate as some of that ended up being, I think it actually is it's, uh, good. And it sort of alerted people to the fact that people in their lives could go down these sorts of rabbit holes. And, you know, you had mentioned, and maybe a good place for us to uh, leave off here is you had mentioned, you'd asked like, you know, how we stop the spread of misinformation. And mm-hmm. I, I think I think just turn off the internet. Well, I think the best thing be, best thing you can do is you know make sure you check in on your people. You know, see how mm-hmm. they're doing. 
that kind of stuff because you're going to, you know, you don't need to argue with them about their conspiracy theory, but you know, if they know that you don't believe it and you're the, you're the one checking in on the uncle who's sort of isolated or whatever they're, you know, you're, you're much more likely to maybe pull that person in a, in a less extreme direction just by being there, just by being mm-hmm. there for them when like they're fairly isolated or whatever, but it's not even pulling them away from the conspiracy theory in some instances. It's just keeping them from being completely isolated alone with their thoughts. Just be yeah. like, Hey, there's a world out here. You can interact with it. You don't have to sit in your chat room or whatever. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's become a, a meme, but it's like, you know, encourage them to touch a little grass every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've digressed enough, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a great time chatting about all this. I'd love to I'll have to do this again sometime. It's, it's always fun. We've, we've had a number of conspiracy theory cult sort of adjacent guests on before, but I feel like we went a slightly different route this time. And I really appreciated that more of the psychology behind it to an extent and the growth of it, as opposed to goofing on cults and theories. Oh, I mean, yeah. I do, I do plenty of that, but I'm not, Yeah, I'm not going to, I, I'm not, I'm not coming on somebody else's show to do that. I, I, oh, I, nice. I don't want to, I don't want to encourage the competition. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can everybody go to to check out all your stuff? So uh, my website's echoplexmedia.com. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find everything there. There should be links in this uh, podcast show notes. Um, if you want to watch us live, that's twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. And if you'd like to buy some pretty cool conspiracy theory related swag, in addition to other kind of cool stuff, you can go to eplex.store. And again, shout out to Fourth Wall. Um, they're the best merch provider. And uh, if anybody's interested in joining Fourth Wall, I'm a partner over there. So, uh, you know, hit me up and I can get you a join link that uh, gets you some perks and gets me a little sample credit so I can buy even more of my own swag. Nice. Do your, uh, do your hats keep out the 5G? Uh, no, but there's a guy we make fun of who makes those kinds of things and he charges $150 <laughs> for a baseball hat. I am wearing a hat, right? A tinfoil hat right now, but it's just a I- hat. I know your products say tinfoil on <laughs> the tinfoil yeah. ass. That's yeah. my ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not 5G proof because they're only $25. The 5G proof ones are probably the same hat I'm wearing, but they charge $125. Uh, I need to get the 5G repellent sneakers to charge like $400 for them. <laughs> this one guy has a nightgown. I, you know, I sh- shout out to him for trying a different product. I never would have thought to sell nightgowns. <laughs> Oh, and a little black, little black, little black dress too on his side. It's crazy. Um, he, he, he. As if you could imagine, um, he not not a big fan of uh, of me or uh, us or whatever because we've been making fun of him for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's 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 been a lot of fun, and uh, you know, I, you know, if your audience is interested, um, we're still small enough that we're pretty accessible. And if you want to join our Discord server, that's at discord.me/echoplex and. I still take DMs for the time being, though. That's looking at my alerts right now. It's starting to feel like maybe maybe that that those days are starting going to come to an end soon. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Thank you again for coming on. Everyone, go check out all of their stuff. Echoplex Media. Thank you so much. Uh, had a great time. Go check out DeadJustProductions.live. Got all of our links on there. And this has been episode two hundred and fifteen. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>